What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro GK Podcast. My name is Omar Zini, and I'm going to be your host, as always. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different because instead of a coach, we actually have a professional goalkeeper joining us, who is Steve Clark of the Portland Timbers. Uh, Steve and I have been in contact for many months, and to finally have him on the Instagram Live a few weeks ago uh, was special for me because he's an incredible goalkeeper, but also an incredible person, and his story is one that I think a lot of people will be able to uh, resonate with, and throughout the episode, you guys are going to be hearing a lot about his journey and the trials and tribulations he had to face to become the number one at Portland. We cover a variety of topics of how to manage his low angle for 1v1s, how the game has changed for goalkeepers in the last five years, and the biggest flaw in goalkeeping development here in the United States. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe if you guys haven't already. It really helps this podcast grow and reach more viewers, and that'll really help me out a bunch. And again, enjoy the episode. We'll talk soon. Take care, guys. Steve, how are you? Hey, what's up, man? Not much, man. Finally, nice to have you on and uh, get a player's perspective. We're excited for that. Yeah, finally I get to meet you. I mean, well, at least as in person as we can these days. But I know we've communicated back and forth. Love the content, the goalkeeper stuff. So, um, how do you want to do this? We want to take some questions from the fans, or you got some Q and A, or should we just chat? What's the deal? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. So I just like to. I mean, I know your story, and uh, it's very inspirational. I mean, perseverance through the adversity, man, is just it's amazing. Your, your wife actually made a YouTube video that I saw a few years back. And when I, when I first saw it, I went, this is so inspiring. Your dad was like, made me cry when he started talking on camera. So for me, it was just the nice. emotion. And, and you could just tell how everybody was so invested in your career because you put such an effort to, to make it this far. So I know a lot about you, but I kind of want to, you know, preface the conversation and give people context of who you are. And then we'll take the Q&A based off of what they hear from you. Um, yeah. So here I have uh, my first question to you would be, you know, how do you how do you describe yourself as a person and those personality traits and how has that allowed you to really take on this goalkeeping journey and, and get you to the professional level? Yeah, I mean, certainly I'm very intense in person. Uh, you know, I like to I, I'm, I'm someone who has a vision about goals and then I, I, I go out to get them. I mean, I was a student body president in college. Um but I mean, early on, I wanted to be a goalkeeper. So I mean, I was telling people I was going to go pro at like 16. That was my whole gig. I think there a lot of people were, I think a lot of people were like taken aback by me because I'm like a redshirt in college walk on and I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to go pro. I think, you know, I think that was a little bit people thought I was cocky or out of my mind or a little bit crazy, you know, um, but my personality is 100% full steam ahead, you know, work rate and going at things. And, and I put that a lot into my my career. So yeah, so one of the questions we have here is actually from QPCC Football. He says, how do you stay motivated if you're not the undisputed number one? And again, back to your redshirt year in college, um, how, were, how were you kind of taking that head on at, at that age? And how were you, uh, in terms of like the, the, the psychological aspect, how did you confront that whole thing? Well, first of all, I mean, I've been lucky that I've been a number one for the majority of my career. Um, but when you're not, it's, I mean, it can be difficult, but the most important thing, this is what I kind of want to get across. Cause I know you do a lot of goalkeeping training and I hope there's a lot of goalkeepers out there yeah. because we can talk about my, you know, my mentality and all that, but what, what served me most is the ability to like focus on development. So when you see me when I'm 33 and I'm still developing and I'm kind of like growing as a goalkeeper, and I'm performing better than ever. That's because I, I, my whole career has been, I want to develop. Even when you have to change technique and you're going to have a dip in performance because you believe 
it's more important to grow your technique, like a ch swing change in golf. Um, yeah. So if, if, you're, if your focus is always on growing, getting better, then whether you're playing not kind of lessens the blow. Now, I'm not saying it's, no, I'm not saying it's like easy. When you, I, I mean, I was going a little crazy when I wasn't playing. It's difficult. But when you can go show up to training and try to, as best you can, focus on that, that is a, a recipe for success in goalkeeping. Yeah, but it's, it, I know it's tough. I'm sure that's the, that's the difficult part. And a lot of people don't have that same mental makeup as, as some people like, you know, you just see – like Pat Onstad, for example, was was probably going to hang it up pretty soon. And then he got the opportunity with the Dynamo. And you see what happened to him. His career really sure. went on the uptick. So sometimes just staying around it, like you said, staying around it and staying involved and having that right mentality to get yourself to that point where that day you probably say, I'm going to quit. The next day you have an opportunity that you probably wouldn't have had had you had quit that moment. But it's, it's difficult, right, to, to get yourself to the point of I need to keep persevering until an opportunity no comes, right? Yeah. No question. Uh, and, 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 uh, the, I think the goalkeepers, you have to love it. You know, goalkeeping is a thing that you have to love and, um, and, uh, finding that motivation to keep going. I mean, look, when I was at DC and when I came to Portland, like those were some tough times, you know, like I, I got waived from DC. Let's be honest. There's probably not many goalkeepers who have been waived and come back to be sports player year and like performing at the top of the, at, to at the top of the goalkeeping rank in MLS. So, I mean, I, I think that, intrinsic conf confidence that there's going to be a way through or um and i think in my case there was a point where i was like i'm not sure if i'm ever going to play again but i want to develop these parts of my game and that's going to be enough for me mm -hmm. do you feel like my my was my, my one of my questions that i have for you is do you feel like you were the same goalkeeper throughout all those trials and tribulations and you just needed an opportunity to showcase that or did you figure out hey there's certain things i need to work on and like you said in those times where it may not be as clear cut, you had to kind of take that reverse engineering route of, okay, I, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm going to do in this time so that when my number does get called, I'm ready. Okay. So I'm glad you asked this. And this, I've never talked about this, but this is the truth. In 2017, I, we had an early off season DC didn't make the playoffs. And I took a look at my game and I rededicated to Olympic lifting, plyometrics, with um, Strong by Science on Instagram, dude, my guy, one of the best jump coaches in the game. Goalkeepers out there, if you want, <laughs> um, if you're if you're into vertical leap like I am and explosiveness, like DM him, try to get on his program. He doesn't take many clients, but he's incredible. So I like, I went back to heavy lifting. I went back to, um, I wonder if Eric Klonowski is on this uh, live stream right now because Eric was with me. In <laughs> but I, I basically took a look at my game and was like, Take, you know, going back through old film, right, from back when I was in Norway to when I was in Columbus. And there was a couple of technical things that I didn't like in my game. And that offseason with Sean Lewis, um, who's at Tulsa, um, we were in Detroit and we had access to indoor facilities. And we trained basically once or twice a day and from October, November, December and January. And we even went with Matt Lamson. Uh, Matt Lamson was there, too, uh, out of Columbus. And we went down to Jacksonville and did a preseason camp down there. Um, and I, I, I redid my game, dude, completely, bro, completely redid my game from angles to power. You know, I, I, I play, I started playing lower in the goal. Number one, that was very difficult to change. So a lot of times this is another myth that I wanted to speak about because we got some goal, hopefully goalkeeping nerds out there. Yeah. Playing high is not always aggressive. Playing high, high angles is not always aggressive. There's times when playing high angles is actually, um, 
the less aggressive route because the goal's smaller. So, and we, we would have to be in person and I'd show you in the goal, but playing lower in the goal on certain areas is, is what I found to be a more aggressive because the goal's bigger and you have more chance to make mistakes. And, you know, but for me with my athleticism, it gave me time. And so when I was getting scored on around the 18, around 20 yards, which was kind of my flaw in DC, I realized that I was playing too high in my angles and I didn't have enough time to use my speed and my vertical leap because I'm only six foot one that I dropped back in the goal. And that process in 2017 with Sean Lewis and Matt Lampson was very difficult. There was a lot of failure involved and it took me hundreds of hours, but that, that switch as well as the technical component of having more time, therefore I could get more of a front foot push in my dive that led to a lot what you're seeing in my game in Portland um, in kind of the, 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 in kind of this, um, I, I don't know what, what I call it, the reckoning of my career, but kind of the, uh, you know, this comeback that I've, that I've had. Wow. That's actually, yeah, it's a great point. I think that's um, one point that I just, uh, I, you know, Chris Sharp from the Rapids. I, I think he Dude, said, you know what, by the way, I was going to jump on your live stream with him and be like, Chris, I trained with you when you were a goalkeeper. I think he was a pool goalkeeper at Colorado. I drove out there <laughs> in college, and I trained with him when he was still playing, way back in, like, 2006. You remember? Yeah, I, I was texting him right now. We were talking about uh, having you on, and he was like, yeah, say what's up to Clark for me. Yeah, but, uh, what, a, hey, what a class guy, though. What a class guy. Really good guy. And one thing I actually want to bring up is that we did a YouTube series, he and I, and one of his points in his session was, like, you said exactly, that's what's crazy, you just brought it up, is, recovering back to your line and giving yourself that depth so you have the ability to see the ball through the bodies and you have the ability to move your feet and get yourself to the balls that you may not have because you're two or three yards too advanced in that advanced angle like you said so what's like blew my mind is it it was a question that I asked of him I said you know Chris um, I don't want to say this on air Chris but when I watched your session I was even kind of disagreeing with some of your points because I had never heard a coach say stay like, create depth and drop off he said, of course, there's situations, right? There's situations that you need to be 100%. a little bit more advanced. But when he said that, I was like, wow, that like blew my mind to realize it's not one size fits all. Every goalkeeper has strengths. And with you, you had your athleticism. And why not figure out a way to drop off a little bit more and use those strengths? Yeah. And I mean, it goes against a lot of what, what, is, uh, what is taught. Okay. Yes. It goes, okay. Because, okay, so when you get a young goalkeeper, right, you're working with a, you're working with a 12, 13-year-old, and any of your goalkeepers out there, like, I'm not telling you to sit on your line. That's not true. I'm in a very advanced, like, in stage of my career. And when you're getting a young goalkeeper, you, the first thing you teach is kind of angles, cutting the angle down, right? That's, that's kind of basics with diving. That's, I'm not going against that. But when you get to the advanced levels, when you start coaching, you know, the guys who are in college to pro, an example, okay, take the um, – Take the LA Galaxy save that you just threw up there. Okay, Zlatan played the ball across my goal, right? Zlatan played the ball across my goal, and I went out on that sprawl save kind of low to my right. Do you know what one of the save I'm talking about? My mind, my mind, my mind is uh, Okay, that's right. You feeling. see so many saves. <laughs> but but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put this to a um, – I'm going to try to – what I'm going to say is this, okay? If you can stay lower in your goal on angle shots, like wider – wide angle shots you're more central when the ball gets crossed that's another advantage of playing low in your goal that's a, mm -hmm. in, in the pro game that's a huge advantage so a lot of times you you see guys coming out really high in their goal for angle shots a pro goalkeeper should be able to stay low on an angle when the ball's wide and save that ball 
and not have to go leave leave this goal very high. Does, am I making sense? Yeah, no, it does. It does. It gives you the percentages to play both, right? Is like it, it more exactly, for a cross? That's exactly, exactly right. Yeah. So basically, my philosophy is stay as low in the goal as you can, and save the shot. Number one, and number two, give yourself a chance if the ball gets crossed for the for the one first time cross across the front of the goal. Love it. That's that's, and, that's yeah. And, and, and it's very – I wish we were in person and we could, you know, <laughs> show you, but it's a little bit more hard to, to describe here. But I can't, I can't um, stress that enough, that, like, stay in central goal as, as much as possible until the final action is so important. How many times do you see a goalkeeper who goes to get set for a shot, the ball gets crossed, and then the goal's open? Yep. It, it happens constantly. So if we can train goalkeepers to – you know, I guess get proficient enough to stay low in the goal, to know that you can save this shot if they shoot it. And you're still somewhat central goal for the cross or the next action. If the shot doesn't come, that's how I've started to really progress in my game. Love it. Yeah. Again, it's, it's the importance of uh, watching film and, and, you know, trying to, to watch film to see how you can better yourself every single opportunity you have. Right. And I actually had a session recently where one of the kids that I trained asked me, said, do you think a lot of professional goalkeepers constantly change up their set shape and how they get ready, where they set their hands up throughout their career? And my opinion was yes. And I'm sure they have different goalkeeper coaches throughout uh, their careers. And, and they have those coaches come in and, and throw some new philosophies and ideas at them. But I want to I ask you that question for you. Do you yeah. feel like you've constantly readjusted your set shape, hand shape, standing uh, narrow, wide, all around, uh, around your game until this point in your career? Well, it's funny you say this because once again, I've had a long, okay, so I've been playing for 12 years, man. So I, I <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm not joking when I say this, I had to go back and relearn my set position because I fell out of so much sorts throughout, wow. you know, when I, I played the thing about, I, I lost some of that good set position. That's kind of been my bread and butter when I, at the end of my Columbus term, um, and that's what I rediscovered. And I went back to watch videos when I was 23 in Norway and was like, what am I doing differently? You know, but I'm, almost, I'm also famous for having like three or four different set positions, man. Like you can see a high jump and a, well, kind of like the German. Yeah. Sometimes where I go knees in, like the Pat Onstead knees into out, the kind of the English. And, you know, I, I'm a bit funky in that, you know, and I, 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 I definitely wish that I could be somebody who stayed same every time but i'm that's just not who i am as a person like i have a few different variations different day i promise you different days you'll see <laughs> if you watch me enough different days you'll see a different set and that's not necessarily by choice it's just kind of the way that i've developed you know love it and, and that's again that's the importance of of not being so robotic when we talk to the cook i've had todd hofford chris sharp phil wedden uh those guys all brought up the point is don't be so robotic we can't have this idea of a, of a goalkeeper. And even Ian Fora had him yesterday too. He said specifically, don't be so robotic as a coach. Don't demand one thing if it's not working for the goalkeeper. Allow them to fluctuate uh, uh, and, and find advantage, advantages in different set positions, which I'm sure for you, again, your athleticism allows you to kind of take, not a risk, but like take chances with different set positions and see if they work. And obviously look where you are and God, you know, it's, it's, it's worked out for you. So I love it. Okay. I have a question here, which I yeah. really like, uh, from Jay Shep, one good buddy of mine. He says, what would you say to younger goalkeepers who are confident in session but seem to lose that confidence come game time? They end up questioning themselves and get nervous from that pressure. So, you know, we've had – I'm sure you've had goalkeepers who look amazing in training, 
come the game, it's very difficult to, uh, to kind of translate that. So how have you been able to uh, help yourself with that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and you know, it's a, con it's a common thing that happens. And, um, and I can say that my first game, I lost six, my debut pro debut, I lost six, one, and it was a disaster. Oh boy. And that was in Norway and it was horrible. Um, so I think there's a time when goalkeepers that you, you kind of, I, I hate to say this and there's not great, this is not great advice, but it's the truth. It's sink or swim, man. There, it's just, and if you can kind of accept that it's sink or swim, perhaps that'll get you over the hump that you want to swim. You don't want to sink. And I think that that's just a cruel fact of sport. You know, there's nothing I can say to the goalkeepers out there that like, look, do this and you'll perform well in the game. Look, you need to sink or swim. And I, I've had those opportunities. You know, you look at your career and there's those moments where you, you have a game where you get a game or your debut, you know, or your next game, or you take over the number one, and you either play well or don't, and that's going to kind of sink your ship, or you're going to go away. You're going to kind of ride ride forward. So to the young goalkeepers out there, I would, number one, get into performance psychology. Read performance psychology books. Go to Amazon right now in this quarantine and read performance psychology books. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a ton out there. You know what I mean? Start reading about performance psychology. Like, I've struggled – mentally and, and fought mentally, just like any goalkeeper. I've read five to 10, but I mean, 10 books on performance psychology. I've seen a sports psychologist. I, I, I see a therapist, like dig into your own mentality. Like this is not, you know, no one has the mental game completely down. It's, it's the biggest challenge we have. Like, um, but if you like, I think you get to a point where, where a lot of pro goalkeepers, you're just so obsessed with trying to get better that like you're going to try everything. I, I meditate for spiritual reasons, but that helps, you know, like there's ways to go about, you know, developing the, when the game, when the whistle blows to be at your best, but it takes years. It takes every day. Like, yeah, how are we doing now? I, I'm at the point now where I just like, you bro, you blow the whistle. Like, I know that I have it. You know, I, I know I have the clubs in my bag. Like I'll be there. Like with this layoff now, I'm going to train, but I'm not going to beat my body up because I know when that first game comes, I have the goods. And that's a good feeling, but it's taken me 10 years to get that. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of one of those things, uh, Steve, that gets misconstrued with a lot of younger audience, uh, or not younger audience, but younger goalkeepers that watch you guys at these games, is that they understand or they see, oh, wow, Steve looks like his personality is coming out. He looks so confident, but sure. they, don't, they don't see those times where you had to pick yourself back up. You had to, you know, you said uh, cold, that cold calling in Norway, trying to get opportunities to, to with coaches. You're putting yourself out there without it really, like the, the positive like feedback isn't coming and you're constantly putting yourself out there in a vulnerable position. And when we go and watch you guys play, we're seeing the finished product more or less, right? We're seeing without really context of all that journey. And in my opinion, when you watch a lot of these pros, even in the MLS level, for example, in Europe, I think it's probably a little bit different, but in, in the MLS, a lot of those guys have been in it for years and years and years and have been either bench guys or guys who are on the pool waiting for their opportunities. So like you said, it's just that constant reevaluation of what your priorities are in those moments of like, if I really want this, I'm going to do whatever it is and be obsessive about it. hundred percent, man. God, I by the way, I love talking goalkeeping, man. I love, <laughs> like I could talk about, like I could talk about this stuff all day, man. Um, okay. But here, okay. So for the, all the people asking, man, 
some Norwegian going down there. What's up, my Norwegian <laughs> people? Um, that's where I cut my teeth in Norway. But okay, so and and maybe you could throw this up on for young goalkeepers, like on a post or something. Sure. I got I I had a I had this coach in Norway, Life Gunnersmater, and he was a, a sports coach, and he was like, "Look, the definition of confidence isn't like feeling good. The definition of confidence is expecting a positive result." Okay, so you may feel nervous, but you're expecting to perform. That's a, that's a difference. And that took, mm. that took me like when he told me that 10 years to really understand that. So for example, we're, we're lining up against Real Salt Lake where MLS just put out that save I had. We should, and, um, but we're lining up Real Salt Lake. The wind is like torrential. The rain is torrential. My warm-up was the worst warm-up I had all year. <laughs> And by the way, Salt Lake, here's another tip for goalkeepers. Salt Lake's like you get really sensitive to light as a pro goalkeeper because you play and, you know, Salt Lake's warm-up lights are dim. And so that really bothered me. I couldn't see the ball well. You have wind. You know, it was so much wind that your eyes were, you know, your eyes are getting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I didn't do extra in that warm-up because I just, I had the, I expected that I had been through so much in my career that I could succeed. And if that would have been that game would have been any other time in my career, I probably would have been like, oh, shit, like, excuse me, but um, uh, I would have been okay. like, I would have been really worried about the performance. I would have been really, you know, I'd have been like, the wind. What can I handle this? But the definition of confidence isn't feeling like you're, you know, uh, Ederson or you're feeling like Oblak. The definition of confidence is I expect to be successful. Like I can do this. Yes. Now, even if you don't like have that expectation fake it till you make it and 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 go through that i mean i've had to do that playing at times as well yeah i agree and that's again when nobody believes in you you got to believe in yourself okay we have a question here which i love it's, it's coming off your point uh with chris sharp and the low angle that you were talking about with your uh with your kind of change in your game yeah uh, js glover one he says how do you manage that low angle in regards to 1v1s so when you're sitting low how do you know when to judge your timing on closing down that angle yeah hey um Look, I, I'm, I have some video that I can send you, but I'm going to post it as well. I have a whole bunch of 1v1 saves um, that I'm going to post about, like, the difference of that. Um, the number one thing about 1v1 saves is timing. Timing, 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 timing. It's a very difficult thing to work on because it's like it has to be somewhat live, but there's a few drills that I, that I like as far as timing, and a lot of that comes with experience. Timing is everything, okay? So when I speak of timing, I mean – how much time do I have time to smother that ball or come into my starfish save that, that spider save? Yeah. Or is my timing, I have to cut the angle out, make the goal smaller and then get set kind of in that German, that German um, set save, we call it. Pat Onstead had that set save. Um, or is, is, is it, is it better that there's literally it's a one-on-one, you know, once a year where there's no one within 20 yards of this guy, maybe it's better to stay low and then rush them at the end. So when I think of 1v1s, and I think that's the strongest point of the, I mean, if you talk, talk about my game, 1v1s are probably the best side of my game. Like, I, I mean, that that's something that I've done so much. I don't know if just because I got counterattacked a lot or it was something <laughs> I, I studied a lot, but 1v1s is, is about timing. That's the, if I was coaching, I would talk about timing all the time, all the time about timing, you know? Yeah, and well, you, you bringing up, the different approaches to 1v1s, the German, the Danish. I mean, talk about uh, Peter Schmeichel and the use of handball technique where he comes out sprawling and oh, doing sure. that starfish thing. Uh, I kind of want to transition now into Chris Sharp's question. He says, hi, by the way. 
He says, how has your, uh, in your opinion, how has the game changed for goalkeepers in the last five years? So the reason I brought that up between different coaching points or different coaching uh, philosophies, right? That's influencing the game. And also to the different nationalities and different countries perspective and, and kind of methodology and approach to the position. So how do you feel like that's influenced the game this far? So it's a good question. You know, um, obviously you see, like, I think the game's changed the most because social media and, and videos has allowed different styles to come out. Right. Mm. And, 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 you know, and some of that's bad because you got guys jumping over trash cans and doing dumb stuff all the time. Right. But if you see this, uh, one thing that's really helped me as well, and I want to give a shout out to memo, my goalkeeper trainer here is the Latin American style has really been a huge and I think it's like really important for any like I call it Anglo American English American goalkeeper style to really like dig into the Latin reaction save stuff because some of the drills we do are so different they're so funky but they're they get you seeing the ball really well like memo our goalkeeper trainer does a ton of stuff where like we don't get a chance to get set you're out of position a lot of reaction save stuff so it, it just kind of like where, where a technical session where you're getting set, you're seeing the ball, you're working on that, that has, that has value, right? I'm all about that. You know, that's your bread and butter. That'll never change, right? But then there's these moments in the game where, you know, you're kind of off balance. You're getting half, I call it a half set, where you can't get totally set. You're moving for a one-time shot. I call it a half set where you're, you know, you're not, you're not, you don't have enough time where you're half set. But then you maybe have to go back across the goal. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that Latin American stuff, I hope that really gets it, you know, really injected into um, uh, MLS goalkeeping because in, in any MLS goalkeeper coach or any goalkeeper coach, if you have a chance to go to a South American club and watch them train. Now, there's going to be some stuff which, like, you're going to want to leave for sure. But goalkeeping is like, you know, any. You know, the, you know, to be a goalkeeper coach or be a goalkeeper is like going to church. Take what you like and leave the rest. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> yes. the, the instead of judging like, oh, this is the best. That's the best. Like the beginner's mind in meditation says, I want to take what they're doing well, and I'll take that and make myself better. And I think that when 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 I think of my and when I'm at my best, I'm learning from every goalkeeper I ever trained with. Kendall McIntosh is phenomenal, dude. I could. I mean, Jeff. Jeff is so consistent with his set position. I mean, and his, Jeff may be one of the best goalkeepers in the, in, in, on crosses in the MLS. Like, that guy's crossing position. You know, you could go down the line. Matt Lampson, dude. I mean, talk about a, a, a monster athlete in a push. Zach Steffen, just a huge athlete, you know, um, consistent, never gets frazzled. You know what I mean? Brad Stuver, dude. Brad was a monster as well. Like, all these goalkeepers I think that you can learn from, even when you're the number one, is something that I, I watch every goalkeeper I train with. I watch every set they ever do to see what they're doing. Bill Hamid, dude. I learned a ton from Bill. Yeah, I Bill's a good guy. Yeah. I went on a rant. I apologize. No, no, that was good. That was good. I think that's a – you made a really good point early on in there. It's talking about how social media has influenced the position and how these different techniques have been around for years and years and years. But now because of social media and the availability of highlights and you're able to watch these guys – and their highlights and their, their, their highlight moments, per se. Like the side volley has been around in South America for years and years and years. But now all of a sudden, everyone's trying to do it. And then now they're trying to coin it as like, you know, the European way or the American way or things like that. But it's been around for ages. The block save, dropping the knees has been around in, in Hispanic, Latino cultures for years. And I'm sure Memo can attest to that. You probably, I, I watched Memo session. And like, again, for me, it reminded me when I was younger in those sessions with my goalkeeper coach who was of Hispanic descent or from Mexico. So, again, it's taking the little bits and pieces from everybody and then building your own philosophy as well as 
or as good as it is for a coach to do that, it's even better for a goalkeeper to do that because like you said, you're ever evolving as a goalkeeper throughout uh, the course of your career. So why would it not be good to put different tools and, and things into your head that allow you to just see if it works? And if it doesn't, you put it to the side. But if it does, you filter the good in, filter the bad out. Absolutely, man. And you and you know, one of the things that you're having is by running this podcast is like, dude, you're getting the access to like, I mean, it's great. And even in your sessions, you know, I watching some of your sessions, like, man, you're, you're just getting a, a, a great repertoire. And even like, you know, it's it's interesting how like, I mean, when I was when I was in, I remember being in high school, like literally there was one blog that you could find pictures of goalies diving. And I would like go to this blog. <laughs> I don't even know if it was a blog then, but it was like the only place I could see a picture of a goalkeeper like diving, you know? And it was, and I used to go all the time, but like, it's almost like you're kind of doing what you love and your passion, but it's helping a lot of goalkeepers because they're goalkeepers are a unique breed. It's a, it's a unique position. It's kind of a, a, a niche position fitting from that. You know, if I was a young kid, dude, I'd be freaking glued. <laughs> that's why honestly I, I was talking to uh, eric I, eric Klonofsky yesterday and he was saying that like do you charge people for this stuff i was like no because i mean i was growing up and i wish i would have had like content like this to watch and just kind of be immersed into it because I, I i love learning and like i'm like you i like watching different things and seeing how i okay schmeichel was a beast after he got up and made a big save he was yelling at his defenders how can i use that and like adopt that to my personality so just seeing little bits and pieces from there and it allowed me to construct kind of a, a goalkeeping mindset that i would want to kind of build and even Jens Lehmann for example just some of the stuff he did I'm an Arsenal fan so watching him play on weekends so I took bits and pieces from everybody and I think that was what helped me become a successful goalkeeper so uh, one okay let's get to these uh these next ones I have one here from coach Kev underscore GK he says what do you think is the biggest flaw in youth goalkeeping development here in the states great question man I'm so glad this question okay when you're a young goalkeeper okay I see so many drills where coaches are not allowing their goalkeepers to get set before a shot comes in these drills. And therefore they start back foot diving mm. back foot diving. When you're trained, in my opinion, when you're doing a typical handling session, shot, save front foot push is, is, is vital to covering the goal technically. And when I see goalkeepers like running into running into saves and the ball's already coming and they end up back foot pushing, that translates to when they're in a game, the, the, a shot's coming, and then they don't push off their front foot. They kind of fold that front foot over, back foot push, and they don't cover the goal. If you see Nick Ramondo or any, you know, or hopefully me at my, at, when I'm playing well, I get my front foot push in. Nick Romano was incredible at it. You cover the goal so much better. So let your goalkeepers, when they're young, get set. It's just vital to work on the front foot push. I mean, I've seen kids come out of college, they come to the pros, and they're, they do a whole session when they're training with us, and they don't get one front foot push in, you know, and they can't cover the goal. Well, Steve, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. And, for example, I was talking to, uh, to Chris Sharp about this, and I said, you know, sometimes when coaches rewatch their sessions, Sometimes yeah. even when I rewatch, I go, oh, wow, I was shooting this ball a little too early and maybe they weren't getting set and I was causing them to either make an emergency save or correcting a technique that I was, I was pretty much forcing out of them. And so my question to you would be, is it the coach's fault in that, in that perspective or is it the goalkeeper's, not fault, but shouldn't they have the ability to adjust on the fly and say, okay, well, he told me to get set at this point, but the shot came earlier 
maybe I should probably set a little sooner and be out of position, but be set. Great, great question. Okay, so, and this is just my philosophy. And like I said, take people can take what they leave and, and the rest. Okay. For sure, yeah. There's a, let me call it a, like a perfect world save where it happens where you can get set, right? And you can get set in the game and somebody's lining up and it doesn't happen often and they shoot the ball. And I want to practice that. I want to practice in finishing drills and with a goalkeeper coach getting set front foot push. However, there's value, as I talked about with Memo, when, when I can't get a front foot push because it's too quick or the shot's fast and I work on my back foot. But it's important that I think that at least one session a week that you're focused on slowing down, I'm getting set, and I'm working on that muscle movement of my front foot. What it, 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 let me put it this way. What is the most of, amount of the goal you can cover, and how do you, get, how do, you do that? And for me, that's a front foot push. And I think that should be trained, whether that's a, a simple shooting, a simple handling drill, but that's very important for me to do. Perfect. I think that's, that's so true, especially the coaches as well. Like it's, sometimes it's good to bring up those conversations and say, look, this is what we're going to work on today. So the muscle memory and the mind goes, okay, this is what I'm going to have the intent. And when I step, step into this session, I know what I'm working on. So that, again, you have that muscle memory. And you have that mental recall in games where you are back backtracking or backpedaling into the goal and you have the ability to quickly readjust on the front foot and then step and go. So I think that's important for the coach as well to kind of not lay it out, but let them know, hey, this is the goal of the session. This is what I'm looking for. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing I would say, too, is that like and I wanted to ask you this question, right, because this is I've changed my philosophy over the years as I've as I've like learned about development, learned about soccer. Like so sometimes when you when you train a goalkeeper coach would be like, great session, everyone's sharp, right? Every, everyone, everyone looked flying today, like great session, right? And now I think there's a point where it's, it's important to have goalkeepers be sharp, but some of my best sessions are when I'm trying to develop and nothing goes right, you know you're in the nuts and bolts of development. So, okay, you got academy guys and you coach, no, primarily you're coaching guys, you know, 16 to 20, correct? Kind of going to college or? Yeah, like probably, I mean, I have younger girls and guys from like, 10 to 13, but yeah, normally like 14 and up who are like good level. Yeah. Okay. So, and you know who I learned this from is Diego Valeri. He's my boy. And you know, he's got a, an incredible performance mindset, this guy, but there's some days where sharpness and making that tip save isn't important. I want to do that on Saturday and Sunday. That's where I meet. Like I had one save against Nashville. That's the only save I made in the game. And I made it. That's where I want to be at my best. Throughout the week, I want to be focusing on development. Like, what part of my game am I working on? If I can do that, if I can say, hey, I'm going to take Tuesday and, and today I want to work on this, then I'm going to get better by the time October comes. And sometimes I feel like in my career, I've been too worried about performance and training. Does that make sense? There's a difference. It does. Yes. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate again for this one. Go ahead. And is some people don't have the leash, in my opinion, sometimes to in, 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 a, in a team yeah, setting, right. don't have the leash to, to try new things because they're competing for that starting role. Yeah. And for example, I'll tell a quick story. In my, I was at Cal State LA. I had a goalkeeper who was predominantly Hispanic uh, of uh, descent or background. And I said, look, in the, in the spring season, I want you to try and do, you know, not diving backwards, not flinging yourself back. Keep your head still and let's try to attack the ball. He said, front foot save. Probably like a, a month in, he said, coach, you know, I just feel very robotic. I'm trying to do what you're trying to tell me but I can't, and I'm not making any saves. I look terrible in training. Coach is yelling at me. Um, I think I'm going to go back to my old ways. No offense. I just want to go back to my old ways to, to feel like myself again. 
So, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways, right? In a sense, there's going to be times where you have the leash from the coach saying, hey, you're going to be the starter. You're going to be the guy that's try some new stuff. And the guys who are behind, like if you ask them to try some new things, but it's not working out for them, they're going to abort that thing real quick. Uh, yeah, I agree. But that's when it comes down to the confidence to say, hey, look, I believe this is right. And even if this, this team drops me, I'm going to find a team I'm going to be better. Jeff Kassar, when I was in Real Salt Lake in 2009 preseason, was like, look, your, your jump set's too high. It's not going to work in the MLS. He's a great goalkeeper trainer. He's now retired. I think he was, he's like living the good life running restaurants. Um, <laughs> but he's an amazing goalkeeper trainer. Jeff Kassar, seriously, was, it was incredible, dude. And he was like, look, your jump set's too high. It's not going to work. And you know what? I tried it, and literally my, my game went to zero, you know. And I paid that price. And I look back at that, and I was, and part of me wishes that maybe I got let go there. Maybe I could have done it, but I took what he said was truth, and I and I stuck tried to stay with that my whole career. Yeah, again, it's it's the mindset too, right? It's it's what you want in your career and what the goal is, and if you can kind of understand that, hey, one step back or it's like two steps back, three steps forward in a sense, right? And it's having that awareness to have the ability to say, okay, you know what, it's probably not going to be great today, but I have these points that I want to really try and hit. And if I hit these, then it's a great day for me. It might not look great on the eye for everybody else, but to me, I know what I want from it. You know what? Yeah. I mean, you want to ask another question, but I mean, I think this is such a, <laughs> I think this is such you a, can keep going, keep going with it. No, and I'll, I'll look for the next it's question. It's such a valuable dude. Look, this is maybe what I'm most excited about. And I think it's the, one of the most value, valuable points, man, is that what are we talking? Like, if you believe it as a goalkeeper, that you're you're not playing and maybe you're the third choice right if you're if you're the second it's hard because you're kind of like that's your game and train i get that but if you're a third choice goalkeeper you know you're kind of working it's like small things can change a career small little details in your game can change a career so it's like if i can just develop this one part of my game i'll be on the national team or i'll be here or i'll be a starter like that's worth taking a year of non-performance to go after love it i think that's really that's, that's really important and i i would love again we and i can talk about this forever because yeah. it's, it's just like a point that's, that's like such a hot topic or just something that a lot of kids go through and goalkeepers go through. So we can come back one of these days and, and really have a full conversation on it. But yeah, I want to keep going with these. Go uh, one of these questions that I really like is, uh, Steve, what do you do after you get scored on in a game? What's like your mental process and how are you able to bounce back so that the next, let's say, 20, 30 minutes of the game does not get affected because of that goal? Yeah, great, great, great point. And, you know, it's so funny. A lot of these questions are mental, man. It's like goalkeeping training should have like a mental component, you know, like it should be a mental training session after the, the training. Okay. So what I do is I've, I've kind of narrowed down my success in the game to four parts, right? So the first thing, if I get scored on in a game, I immediately, when the kickoff, I start focusing on where are my opponent's strikers. So the whole, one of the ways that I'm successful as sweeper keeper is that I'm looking at the opponent's strikers the whole time. Who's making runs in behind the line and who, where are they positioned and where's the ball? And so immediately, if you do that, you get out of thinking and you're back into, you're back into like focus, you're back into flow because you can spend a lot of time focusing on what you're thinking about and your feelings. But if I'm always focused on where's my strikers, where are they? Where, where's the ball and where are they? And if I can start there, I know that by the time the ball's in the bat, by, in my box, I'm going to make the save nine times out of 10, actually more than that. But I'm, I always start, like I know when I'm playing a good game, when I'm laser focused, when the goalkeeper has, the other goalkeeper has the ball. 
Mm. And that's where I start. And if you can, if you're, if you can start there with that level of intention and focus, like your body will take over by the time they make, by the time they get scored on. Shifting your perspective. Correct. It's 100%. like shifting. hundred percent. Got you. Okay. Um, Gabe dot Loza says, Chris, how much do you focus on footwork in your training, working in situations that involve pressure on the back pass? Foot, footwork meaning distribution. I, I think people usually say footwork and I, I think they mean distribution, but we sometimes hear it differently, but yes, I think it's distribution on this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously that's a, I love that part of my game. I would try to work on that. That's a passion of mine. I think goalkeeper is like, you should be working on that after training and before training, you know, and uh, you know, you by yourself juggling. That's a thing that we, we can take home with us. Mm. Okay. When Finn, Finn Landon 081 says, what tips do you have on free kicks? I'm not that good on them. Uh, I, but I really would like some advice as to how you deal with them. Well, that's a great question. There's a lot of things that go involved in that. Um, number one, setting up the wall. I saw a question about setting up the wall. You know, I try to put at least a guy outside the near post and just um, to make sure that, you know, you cover your near post with that wall. Um, but I wouldn't really necessarily focus on free. Uh, is he talking about shooting free kicks or crossing? That's a different thing. You know, it's a hard question to answer. I think free kicks, but I will say that I give you credit because I did see one of your highlights recently where you trusted your wall. I think it was like the 90th minute you guys were up 1-0. Uh, you, you stayed on, the, on, on your side, but also kind of with that, I call it like calculated anticipation where you said, okay, if that ball goes over there, I'm ready to shoot. But if it comes back my way, I got to be responsible for coming, it coming back my way. You made the save. The guy uh, as a rebound. You got back up, which again, you stayed, you stayed tall. He shot it over the, over the goal. You don't have to remember that one. Still heading yeah. over the goal. But, again, maybe that is, is probably what he was trying to get to is, do I trust my wall or do I, I – maybe the percentages of playing, do I cheat sure. a little bit? Or oh, great. Good. Uh, I would say, look, don't get beat goalkeeper side number one. Start there. Let's just start there. And then if you start taking balls over the wall, then you're going to be on your way. But start there. Don't, don't ever get beat goalkeeper side, I think, is something that I try to live by. Got you. Okay. Let's see. Uh, one of them is who's the best PK shooter on the Timbers? But um, <laughs> I mean, Valeri has a pretty good percentage in games. We'll go there, but there's a lot of good ones. Got you. Okay, and uh, you're a good PK stopper yourself. I mean, Nick Romando maybe is maybe the best ever in the MLS, but you're you're a close second, man. You you're doing yeah. your your record against PKs is pretty good. So uh, one of the questions here is how do you approach PKs, and if you have any techniques, do you mind sharing? You know what the best thing I think goalkeepers can do is like start reading strikers body shape and just watch watch penalty kicks on youtube and just start start reading like what it what it's like when a when a striker goes to the my left or a striker goes to my right like what what are the, there's tendencies that strikers have whether they're they're faking they're going to go one way and go in the other like again like go on youtube and watch penalties and see what see what um see how strikers body movements are affecting where they're going to go in the goal. It is right to get in those reps, the mental reps. You just consistently see the body body shapes and how they the tendencies per se of forwards, and then eventually 100%. you figure it out. Got it. Okay, Phil Wedden, legend. He says, Steve, hope you are well. Sorry if you already talked about this earlier, which I think we did, but um, it's Phil, so I got to answer this question. Says, can you touch on the importance of having a short term memory? Do you have any tips for young goalkeepers dealing with mistakes? And I kind of want to add on to that, Steve in a sense of, let's say, for example, we'll put a situation in like this. You are in Norway and you're yeah. getting your first start and you guys lost 6-1, but let's say, you know, let's say, for example, you lost 6-1 in your first game and you just became the start. It's your first professional start. And what is going through your mind in 
let's say, throughout the game when you're down three, four, five, six, one, and then after the game, dealing with, again, not having as, as successful an outing as you would like, and yeah. also to those mistakes? Yeah, it's a great question. And I mean, I, I, to, I immediately, number one, I, I really think there's value. And I, dude, if I was a coach, I would do this, but it's kind of, it's kind of goofy. I would seriously take, I like to take a big, deep breath, like a, a mindfulness breath immediately and be like, all right, I can at least feel my feet because sometimes the emotions are so difficult when you make a mistake that I, I swear to you, I sometimes say, all right, my feet, I can feel my feet. I take a mindfulness breath and like, okay, I'm still here. And then I immediately go to where the strikers are. And I talked about this a little before, but I immediately go back to a reference points. If I can just get, get out of my head enough to know, okay, where is um, Zlatan or where is, uh, you know, where, where's Josie Altidore? If I can do that, then I'm immediately more in the moment than if I'm thinking about how bad that looked or if I'm going to get dropped or, you know, if, what are the, what are the people saying on Twitter? If I can just immediately start with something simple and like I said, a breath or like feeling my toes and then where are my strikers? Then I'm already back, I'm already back into mindfulness and it's, and it's an instantaneous thing. And the other thing I'd say, and I haven't covered this, but I'll go quick. It's constant, constant uh, focus to come back to the moment. It's incessive, you know, obsession with getting back to the moment for me in the game. There's just, it's just constant. Uh, am I, am I in my head or I'm, am I in the game? And I, and I, and I can't say that enough. it's like, you know, the way that a parent watches a child, you know, it, it's like, that's how I'm, where am I? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm that focused on being in the game instead of in my thoughts. For sure. So essentially we talked about it earlier. It's the perspective shift. It's substituting the negative thought for a positive thought. And I think, again, as you get older, right, you do a lot of reading, you do a lot of like mental reps of understanding you know, different mindsets of how other people deal with it. And then again, you shaped how you deal with those circumstances. So it's understanding that you substitute a negative thought for a positive thought or substitute that negative thought of like what they're going to say on Twitter after to, okay, what is the forward doing? What, you know, quickly shifting, shifting focus. Dude, hundred percent. And you know what I think for goalkeeper trainers to do is that when a goalkeeper makes a mistake, right, that's a great opportunity to be like, Hey, um, you know, Hey, you know, goalkeeper, that's okay. Don't, don't, I don't want to give positive reinforcement to that, but like, look, this is a great time to train your next, your next action. So instead of a goalkeeper, when they make a, a soft one in a, in a five V five game, you know, say, Hey, look, now it's time to train that resiliency. That's really mm -hmm. important. You know, like that, or, or if you're in a hand next ball, let's stick this one. And sometimes the most, the best trainings I have where I start in my warm up so bad, but I go in my mind and say, okay, great. This is a good time to practice when I'm not at my best. I love it. And again, that's another, that's another dimension and layer that coaches can uh, start adapting to their session or adopting to their sessions, allowing their goalkeepers to feel that pressure in training, or, you know, it's not always going to be so pretty. And so you said handle saves, or it's not going to be so straightforward every session. It's that mental approach as well that us coaches can try and help our goalkeepers. Okay. You feel some adversity in training. Great. What do you think is going to happen in front of 40,000 people? Let's try and figure it out now, figure out something now so that when you step into that moment and it's, it's, it's not too big for you. I, I totally agree. I mean, I could keep going, but you want to probably answer questions. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. So again, uh, Steve, one thing that I love about you and your game, again, like you talked about earlier, is your 1v1s. And I think it's a lost art. That and crossing to me are two of the biggest lost arts right now in goalkeeping. Sure. And 1v1s, uh, half the time, and we talked to Ian Forer yesterday, is that a lot of times the shots can end up happening in like a two to three yard bubble, one side to the other. 
And one thing that I love about you is that you play the game so honest. You don't start cheating. You don't start leaning, which again, your athleticism could potentially take you that way because you want to be so agile and and like, you know, the old PK shootouts that you kind of, you know, Jersey Dudek style. Yeah. But what I liked about your perspective on that is, is you stay up, you make, you stay honest, make the, make the forward beat you. And it's shown really, really well for you in your career. So bouncing off that, one of these questions I have here is Herrera underscore Sosa. He says, how would you work on staying set enough to wait for the shot and not give yourself up or try to cheat and read the ball? So I think let's talk about that from a one we one perspective and also maybe like a forward coming down from an angle shot. Sure. Great. You know, it's like kind of like when we talk about the back to the fundamentals of goalkeeping, it's like, I believe that like that has to be part of your, that has to be a pillar to say, look, like, I'm not going to guess. I'm going to trust my technique. I'm just going to get set. I'm going to get set. And if you beat me, like, we'll, we're going to say, congratulations. You put a ball in the corner and, and that's it. Um, and I, I love that bubble. I saw that on your, who, who said that again? Herrera, I think Herrera. So no, the, uh, the bubble. Oh, <laughs> Ian Foyer. Yeah. I, I think that's really valuable because there is a lot of stuff going around online. That's like crazy diving around, but that's the truth. Like a lot of, if you can save inside your bubble, you're going to be, you're going to be fine. So get it. I, I like to say, look, let the striker beat me. I'm going to get set. I'm going to react. And they beat me now in one V ones. It's just so complicated. I just go back to timing, make yourself big, but also it's very important. Don't go down early. The striker, you should never go down before a striker. If you, if I, I know if I'm going down before a striker, then they're going to have an easier time. Make them beat you. It's important that goalkeepers make strikers beat you. That should be like a common theme in every session. Make them beat you. Yes. Again, it's that mindset. And it's half the battle. Helps you make your decisions. Uh, One question that I have for you, Steve, and from your playing career, in my opinion, when you get to the first choice goalkeeper and the second choice goalkeeper, there's such fine margins at the professional level. Those guys are the cream of the crop. They're the ones who have been able to – you know, have longevity in their careers because they have certain characteristics as goalkeepers. So for you, Steve, what do you think separates first choice goalkeeper from a third choice goalkeeper? Cause it's such fine margins, but if there's any like two things that you think would be the difference maker outside of the coach's control in terms of like technique and things. Sure. I mean, I think the number one is when you take, when you get your opportunities, you have to take them. We kind of talked, touched on that and there's no secret prepare with sport form and psychology and, train hard and work on development. But when you have your moment, you have to take it. And that's the, there's no lessening that blow for players who either succeed or fail. That's just, that's reality. This is life. This is sport. You know, that's probably the number one besides, um, you know, natural talent. And, you know, there's a lot of talented guys and, and what we've talked a lot about as well. How, how do you take the 250 trainings that you get a year? Are you using those to develop? Or are you not prepared? Or are you using those only to focus on results? I've tried to focus on results and development, and it served me well. We have a question here from uh, or, uh, Owen uh, Cornioni. He's asked questions before. I still don't know how to say his last name. He says, uh, what are three things that have helped you succeed as not somebody who's a physically enforcing goalkeeper? I don't say shorter goalkeeper because six one's a good, a good height. But is there uh, anything specific that has allowed you to again, have longevity in your career, not being six foot three, six, four and up? Yeah, great question. Well, first of all, there's a lot of advantages to being six, four, but there's advantages to being six foot one and having speed, you know? So that, every goalkeeper can play the position that fits their style. There's not one fits all. Now there are goalkeeper coaches in the MLS who want tall goalkeepers that that's fine, but that that's not me. Um, what I would say is that like, know your, you need to know your game 
as a goalie. Like, that's really important, and we haven't touched on that. Know your game. So for me, I'm six one. Like I spend a lot of time making sure I'm I'm, I'm covering my crossing. I'm, I'm being good in the air on corner kicks. I'm being good in the air on free kicks. You know, is my crossing technique good? So I'm trying to work on things that um, are limiting when you're six foot one. Okay, so I don't. I, I have good speed. I have good. I read the game well. Those are my strengths. So I, I try to work on things that you know a six foot four goalkeeper is going to be better than me at and that's going into a crowd like he's just going to be better at me than going into a crowd and catching a cross that's just the reality that's fine but i can get by by number one making sure i'm making good decisions and two punching the ball if i think i'm going to go into a crowd got you so playing to your strengths and having those uh like number demean qualities but essentially I, I call it manipulating the game in your favor so whatever is negative and whatever you don't feel like you're good at figuring out a way to not be so not even the crosses that come in you're not as tall but like figuring out a way okay when i come out i may have to punch the ball more because absolutely. i'm not yeah absolutely okay Great. i've got this question a lot steven again I, I don't like talking about too much about stuff that you can read on wikipedia but for you it's the the wood story everyone keeps asking about it and uh it's something that's a part of your 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 legacy and your story you so if you don't mind you mean living in a tent yes sir okay well and, okay so it's i mean i talked about it i had a live stream but um, okay, in college, like I, I, I walked out of college, I didn't have a lot of money. I, and I got, I didn't have a place to live. So I just put up a tent in the woods at Oakland university. And like, um, I, I camped out for a half semester. It was kind of fun. I had places to stay, but I could have asked my parents for money, but I like just decided to make a camp out and make it a fun thing. And like, I, you know, I, so I had a camp, I had a, I had a tent on campus that I lived in for two months. And then like my coaches found out and I had to move out. <laughs> uh, that's a long story short but hey i got time for one more man i gotta run okay no worries uh i've got a lot of questions in here but for me to you you know uh i have a question that i wanted to write here i said so steve when all is said and done in your pro career and let's say you get into coaching but all is said and done in your pro career and what you've gone through and the trials and tribulations and again i watched your your your, your wife's birthday video for you and it's like yeah. it, all the feels in there when I was said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, what's, what is the legacy that Steve Clark, when people hear your name, goalkeepers who are coming through the MLS draft, things like that, when they hear your name, what is something that you want to resonate with them? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, first of all, I hope that goalkeepers who aren't, are, are, are in their team, you know, they're 17, 18, and they're not on the national team, and they're not in academies, can know that, like, I've made it, and therefore they can too, you know. And then also for the goalkeepers who are – pro and they're not making it and they're the third choice when they're 23 24 like you know i i did that as well so I, I mean i hope that i've given that underdog story a little bit of like look focus on you know believe in yourself focus on development and anything can happen and lastly like i hope that i've been a a, a character of and a man of god that enough to have people know that i've treated people well and been a good teammate and i think i have a lot of respect uh throughout with that and someone who was a good teammate and a, and a good guy man that's really important to me as well that's awesome, man. As, as good as you have to be on the field, it's good to be a good locker room person, good locker room presence. And like you said, you just got to make sure that uh, when you're playing, you continuously try to get better and better and better, no matter your circumstances, have that long-term vision for yourself. And again, obsess, be, obsess, be obsessive about it. Otherwise, why are you playing? Hey, that's a great way to sum up what I, the way I believe goalkeeper. Why, why not? Why the average? Why not go for it? You know, there's no, you, know it, you can fail. Failure's okay. Like that, that's an, it's okay to fail. I've done that a lot, you know, it's okay. But it's, for me, it's better to try and like go for it and deal with like, oh man, I made a mistake. People like are hitting me up on Twitter. Like, okay, or Instagram. <laughs> whatever, man, I'm going to continue yeah. forward. So I appreciate the time. I had a blast, dude. 
You're the man, Steve. Thank you so much. Hopefully the MLS comes back soon. And uh, if not, stay, stay healthy, stay safe with your family, and hopefully we'll talk soon. Absolutely. All right, Steve, take care.